Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Third and Long, a weekly podcast about the National Football League, keeping you up to date on professional football. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Hook and Nick Carlson. Welcome in to the Third and Long Football Podcast here on the first day of the month of November Getting started here a little bit earlier than usual. It is 1.09 p.m. right now in Glassboro. I'm your host, Aaron Hook, alongside my co-host, as always, Nick Carlson to my left here in the WGLS Conference Studio. And we're joined by WGLS Sports Director, Danny Ryan. Danny, good to have you on. And guys, it's going to be a pretty crazy episode, I think, because um, today is trade deadline day. 4 o'clock p.m. is the... Uh, official deadline for teams to go out and make some midseason moves, uh, whether that's dealing away guys um, for certain teams who are maybe looking to increase that that draft position a little bit and and maybe uh, lose some games down the stretch, get rid of their better players so they uh, have a chance to do that. Or you've got teams going out looking to uh, fill certain spots and uh, really kind of take it to the next level in terms of competing. So we're going to go over all that and, of course, recap um, all the best games from uh, this past week as well. Looked a little bit ahead. And, of course, we'll have overreaction Tuesday, get into some uh, some hot topics there. But we are going to start with uh, the trade deadline. And I guess the best place to start, guys, is talking about the deals that have already gone down. And, and we've had some pretty big ones. And, look, uh, I guess we'll start with kind of the shocker uh, that came uh, most most previous, um, and that's Roquan Smith heading to Baltimore uh, in exchange for a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick in uh, the next upcoming draft. So, look, Baltimore goes out, guys, and gets an off-ball linebacker in Roquan Smith, who right now is leading the NFL uh, in tackles. And so, look, they got a guy to plug right into the middle of their defense. He's been an all-pro caliber player the last couple of years here. But... You know, some people are saying, okay, well, you know, linebacker is a position where is it worth giving up that second round pit plus another pit to get a guy who, you know, could could plug in right away into that defense and make the Ravens a better team, sure, but it's not a premium position. So what do you make to this trade? Let, I'll, I'll send it over to you first. What do you make to the whole thing? Um, do you think the Bears got a nice return for Roquan Smith, who is definitely their best player? Um and do you think this kind of elevates that Ravens defense to help them get over the hump in, in that division? Well, just to look at the Bears first. I think it works out for the Bears because they just cut so much salary, especially I think they have $110 million, especially with everything that they've cut. So for free agency, they have a lot to work with. For the Ravens, on the other hand, you get a good player, but giving up that second-round pick, especially Roquan Smith, you have to pay him next year. So he's going to want a lot of money, especially for how he's been playing the Ravens are taking that gamble that they either win the Super Bowl this year or they can pay him. I think Roquan Smith is a good player, but at the same time, I don't know if he's worth a second round pick, especially because of the money you have to give him. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, his contract is is basically up at the end of this year. And so, Danny, they're going to have to pay this guy, like Nick said, premium money. Um, and we've seen guys in the past, Fred Warner uh, got that huge contract from San Francisco, uh, I think a couple of years ago at this point. Linebacker, again, although it's not, I just consider like a quote-unquote premium position money-wise, like a quarterback, obviously, or an edge rusher. These guys get paid, and Roquan Smith right now is probably the best middle linebacker, I would say, in the NFL. Um, you know, him and Fred Warner, I think, are right there. So he's going to want uh, to get the bad from the Ravens for sure. And so now he steps in uh, alongside Patrick Queen in the middle of that Ravens defense. Is the money that they're going to have to give him, obviously if he stays there once he hits, uh, hits the open market, is it worth it? Because does this really put the Ravens in a spot to, one, go out and be the best team for sure in that division, and, and two, you know, have a defense that can complement that Lamar Jackson led offense come you know, playoff time? Yeah, I definitely think that's the sacrifice you're willing to make if you are the Ravens because you take a look at Roquan Smith, 25-year-old linebacker. You give up a second and a fifth for him in 2023. 
Now, while that is a steep price for a guy like Roquan Smith, it'd be much worse on paper if he was a 32-year-old linebacker, 31-year-old linebacker. You have still have so many years left of his prime before he really fades out, uh, you know, as far as the shelf life goes for linebackers in this league. So I, I like the deal for the Ravens. They sit at the top of their division at 5-3, and three, right above the Bengals, who obviously won the AFC uh, last year and went to the Super Bowl. So I, I think that you definitely have to, if teams are – on a fire sale like the Bears are, like the Panthers are, you'd have to take advantage of it if you're some of these contenders. And I, I know, obviously, we'll talk about uh, Robert Quinn moving on from the Bears a little bit later mm-hmm. to the Philadelphia Eagles. But I like this deal for the Ravens overall. I think as soon as you saw that press conference of him discussing Robert Quinn to the Eagles, where he was tearing up and crying about his best friend leaving, mm-hmm. you knew he was the the, the, the next uh, defensive player right. for the Bears to be traded. Yeah, with the Roquan Smith this year again uh, with 82 tackles right now. Lead in the NFL. He's got two pits as well. Um, and, I mean, you went to his PFF grades over the last, you know, few years. Um, again, he's graded out as one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And, you know, he's got the tape to back it up as well. So, with the Ravens beating the Bucks, um uh, last Thursday, the 27th, uh, they, like Danny said, now own sole possession of first place in that division at 5-3. and three. And so they add a nice piece to their defense, uh, giving up a couple pits to do so. Let's keep in mind, too, Roquan Smith was arguably the top linebacker in his draft class just four years ago. Right. I mean, you give up a second and a fifth for him. I don't think that's that steep of a yeah, price. Yeah, The price tag that you mentioned on the extension right. is probably going to bite them. Right, yeah. I think that's where it comes in, really, is the money you're going to have to give him. But I think he's... You know, a player to where, you know, his his caliber of play would would deserve that type of money. So we'll see how he does in Baltimore. So uh, we are gonna keep it uh, Bears related here, and you know, a little bit local as well. Of course, we're talking about Robert Quinn being uh, shipped to Philadelphia from the Chicago Bears for a fourth round draft pick. Now, here's the thing with Robert Quinn. Um, He's, unlike uh, Roquan Smith, he's not exactly a sprint chicken. So you're getting a veteran edge rusher here to add into that group for the Eagles. Obviously, that defense has been fantastic. Uh, and you had a guy who Lauten seriously did after the quarterback. I mean, this guy had 18 sacks last year. It's pretty crazy at his age what he was able to do. How old is Robert Quinn? Is he uh, 33? So I 32. think he's 32 or 33. I'm going to get the official... Uh, ruined on that right he, now. Okay, so he's 32. Position's an end, right? Isn't he an edge rusher? Yeah, so yeah. he's off the edge at 32 years old. He turned 32 in May. So by the time the season's over, uh, he'll be going into his 33-year-old season. But again, he's been ultra-productive. And so, Danny, the Eagles now add a guy who can get after the quarterback uh, to, again, help out that already stellar back end of the defense. So, this is this is a, another move by Howie Roseman that you have to be applauding if you're an Eagles fan because for the value of a fourth round pick, again, um, we talked about with Roquan Smith, it would be a different situation if he was an older guy and already established guy and maybe didn't have as many years left. But you know, you're able to take a fourth round pick um, where the Eagles already have a plethora of picks from from moves they made in the past. You're able to ship off a mid round pick for a ultra, ultra productive edge rusher and add that to your defense. And it's, again, for you as an Eagles fan, you've got to love it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not like they don't have talent at that position as well. Josh Sweat, who's not exactly having the year they would like, uh, still mans that position and will for the future, but they need some help there in the sense that he's just not doing the job that he once was. So, Howie Roseman, one of his favorite things to do is pick up veteran defensive lineman Chris Long, for example, back in the Super Bowl year, uh, when he came over along with LeGarrette Blunt from New England, that those were one of his two favorite moves, and they obviously paid off bringing a world. Um, I almost said World Series in the baseball mindset, <laughs> bringing a Super Bowl to the city of Philadelphia. Um, so I like this trade a lot. I mean, you look at it in the sense that Howie Roseman traded Jalen Rager and got a fourth round pick from the Vikings, then trades a fourth round pick to get Robert Quinn. I see that as an absolute win in my mind especially, as you mentioned, Aaron, a guy coming off a season where he had 18 and a half sacks. So I like this deal a lot. The age doesn't worry me. Um, pardon me, worry me. He's already under contract, so I, I believe the Bears ate a decent amount of that contract. We'll have to fact-check that. But I, I overall, as, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I love the move. High Roseman staying aggressive, and we'll see if he makes a deal for a running back ahead of the, uh, I believe, 4 o'clock deadline today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, 4 p.m. Uh, is the deadline to get the deals done. And so, Nick, you know, the Eagles go out. And, and make another move. But like Danny said, are they done adding talent? Um, again, you add a nice... It's always nice when you can kind of add a veteran into 
an already established group, but he just kind of takes it up a level, especially a player like um, Robert Quinn. Now, you know, again, the Eagles could add some more pieces, um, but is Robert or is Robert Quinn? Sorry, kind of like I, I won't say the missing piece, because obviously it's just a, a cog in the system there for for the defense. He's a very nice player, but is you know that defense now scary enough to the point where? You're going to be matching up against some tough defenses, obviously, in the NFC in the playoff, like the San, uh, San Francisco, a Dallas. Is the Eagles' pass rush, like, up there with theirs now, or...? I, I'd say it's pretty close. I mean, you add Robert Quinn, but you also have... I th- wasn't Jordan Davis out for, like, six weeks? Yeah, so I did want to add that. They make this deal for Robert Quinn before the Steelers game. Then Jordan Davis gets hurt early on in the Steelers yeah. game out, I believe, six to ten weeks with a high ankle sprain. So that deal makes even more sense now for the Eagles... Before they were just trying to get depth, and now they have to use that depth. So, so I, and you still have a good player in Robert Quinn, but I, I feel like, especially for the defense, their DBs are so good. I mean, Darius Slay and Bradbury have been fantastic. Mm. I think they're PFF, the best two cornerbacks in the league right now. So it's going to be tough to pass on them, but I've also heard that they want to add a running back too. And I, I've heard it was Kamara, but I've also heard that the Saints want that first-round pick back, and if I'm Howie, I would never go anywhere near that. It's so confusing because <clears throat> the Saints apparently came out and said that they don't want their first-round pick back for Kamara, that they shot down that report. <laughs> but at the same time, if you're the Eagles, why would you give away, like you said, Nick, the first-round pick that you got that could be a top-ten pick if yeah. the Saints continue right. to lose when you could just trade away arguably a fourth and a sixth for Kareem Hunt or maybe even just increase that by one, a third and a fifth for Kareem Hunt. You know what I mean? So I think that might be the better route. But if they don't want their first-round pick back like they're saying they don't, then maybe throw a second, a fourth, who knows? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly options there at running back for um, the Eagles. Like you talked about, um, obviously Tamara is kind of like the big fish. But I mean, like, you even look at, you know, out to L.A., um, a guy like Cam Akers who just hasn't really worked out there after coming back from injury. Maybe you take the flyer on him. Wouldn't take much to get him. Probably a sixth-round pick, maybe a fifth-round pick. Um, and you add him into the backfield there with Miles Sanders. That could be a pretty nice uh, duo. And so, you know, I, I think, Danny, the, the thing is the Eagles maybe don't have to make uh, as big a splash as they did with the Robert Quinn trade, right? You figure yeah. they're looking for value at this point to try to add. Yeah, at this point, I mean, anybody that contribute or anybody that can contribute and really just help out and assist that backfield or assist that offense, um, it was encouraging to see Zach Pascal kind of emerge a little bit against the Steelers with two catches, one for a touchdown. Uh, I believe he had almost 60 yards on the day. So he, who was basically the number four wide receiver on the Eagles, contributing, that, that's a good sign. Um, haven't seen a lot from Quez Watkins, but... We'll see. I mean, I think their offense is pretty good as is, especially when you consider Dallas Goddard is their tight end along with, you know, some guys that are some, I believe, I forget the backup tight end's name, but it's something funky. I can never remember it, but he's not, you know, too shabby himself. Mm. It's not Richard Rodgers back there anymore. So overall, I think they have enough on offense, but I wouldn't be surprised, like you guys said, to see him go out and make a deal. Well, what's their weak point? Because when I really think about this Eagles team, they have good linebackers, good cornerbacks. They have a good D-line. I mean, who do you really go after? If I'm Howie, I feel like you've got all the players and pieces that you can need. I, I agree with you. I think they're just I just depth at this yeah. point, really, right? And I think it's just not being satisfied if you're Howie. Like, okay, we realize that, or he realizes that he's at 7-0. Yeah. and, and He didn't like, even okay. have to go out and get Robert Quinn, but he did. Yeah. He didn't. And like I said, now that move's paying off after the injury mm-hmm. to Jordan Davis. So now you hope Fletcher Cox can kind of eat up that nose tackle position and really thrive there again because Jordan Davis was doing a nice job over there defending the run. Uh, but we'll see how it fares. Maybe they pick up another defensive piece because of the loss of Jordan Davis. I doubt it, though, because of how young he is. It, it all remains to be seen, but we're coming in on, what, three hours and 40 minutes here until the deadline? Uh, just two hours Two hours and 40, and 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's why I'm a communicator. <laughs> so, yeah, again, 4 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be wrapped up here a little after 2 o'clock, so there will still be a couple hours um, for things to go down. But I, I guess, you know, I would figure that um, – Deals would be going down, you know, now over, you know, there's three hours left, less than three hours, like Danny said. Um, so you figure the deals would start to come in here. I, I don't think we've done anything major yet, um, but again, we'll keep an eye on it. And so we'll wrap up here with deals that have already gotten down with uh, another one that happened a few days ago. And that is the New York Football Giants stealing uh, last year's first round pick for them, or I just uh, two years ago at this point, uh, to Darius Tony, former uh, Florida Dater wide receiver. 
Giants sent him in the first round back in 2021. And look, in his rookie year, guys, he looked like a nice player for the Giants in, in the games that he played. Looked like he could be a contributor uh, moving forward. And then, you know, there's this stuff this year with uh, they're just kind of saying that he has some sort of nagging injury that's keeping him off the field. But Tadarius Tony says, you know, I'm fine. And so there's kind of the disconnect there. And when he's on the field, he isn't really doing much. Daniel Jones isn't targeting him. So I think it was kind of like inevitable that that marriage would split at some point. And, you know, for spending a first round pick on a guy, pretty quick to move him. But Kansas City goes out and gets him from the Giants. Um, and so the Giants uh, are going to get some sort of compensation there. But Nick, they spent a first-round pick on this guy a couple of years ago. Thought he'd be you know, a, a nice piece for them moving forward. And here they are dealing him already. Now, obviously, the Giants have had a good enough season to the point where it's like, okay, this is kind of just like maybe uh, maybe just a blemish on the record that you can ignore. But it's, it's just another thing that Dave Gettleman you know, leaves the Giants here something to, to wrap up here with this new regime. Well, especially offensively, especially at the wide receiver position, when you think about a guy like Kenny Galladay who signed a four-year, $80 million deal and has yet to catch a touchdown in New York, and then Kadarius Tony, who you spent a first-round pick on, I feel like offensively, it's almost like Bill Belichick where he can't find the wide receivers. It's the same thing for the Giants. And Brian Dable's done a good job of using what he can, especially in the run game, and utilizing Daniel Jones's legs and Saquon Barkley. But I feel like the Chiefs just get another Tyree kill. They get a fast, quick guy who can get open. And although we really haven't seen it, Kadarius Tony has, like you said, Aaron, kind of shown flashes at the very end of the season. And mm-hmm. if I'd say if Tony can kind of make an impact in that Chiefs offense, we can really see him fully unleashed. We really would never be able to see it for the Giants because they don't run that type of offense right. with Daniel Jones. Yeah, so I think I would have to agree. I think Tony's still set really kind of fits uh, Kansas City and what Mahomes wants to do. Um, and yeah, we know he's a guy with a big arm to move it down the field and it's 10 plays. And so when you have a guy like Tony, who again is super quick, um, ran an awesome 40 time and you know, coming from Florida, it was that same kind of air raid system where you know this guy would just be running go routes, but he, he was also kind of a guy that. Florida would move around, put him in the backfield, maybe have him run a wheel route out of there. Um, so they did get creative with Denarius Tony. I, I kind of expect them to. Now, Danny, look, the Giants did a third-round pick, third-round conditional pick, um, and a sixth-round pick as well. So I think that third could be, become a second. Um, and so the value uh, is not bad for Denarius Tony. Um because, again, he's kind of an unproven player outside of the few games he played in last season where, you know, he had some nice moments. Um, you know, so you get two pits for him, Matt. But, again, they move down in the draft, and, and they take him there. So, like, you know, it's almost like you gave up a first-round pick pretty much for, for a third and a sixth because you didn't get really much out of Tony. You didn't really get to see what he was. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it in that sense, you're completely right. But... Obviously, the value t- dips severely for Tony, as a lot of wide receiver value does when they go to the Giants for some reason. <laughs> Kenny Galladay, by the way, I don't know if you saw, he looks extremely eager to get back on the field now that they're 6-2. and two, So that's just yeah. funny how that works. Yep. Um, but no, just talking about Tony, I think it's a nice pickup for the Chiefs in the sense they love having receivers like this. You see it all the time. Nicole Hardman, they had Tyreek Hill, like you mentioned. I think they can definitely use him. Well here, or well there in Kansas City, I think Andy Reid's going to find a nice way to use him as long as he can stay on the field. Um, I'm not quite sure if he's banged up right now when he's going to be coming back, Mm -hmm. so we'll see when he's going to be suiting up for the first time in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform, but it just expands their offense so much more now. Obviously, they've got Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey, now you add Kadarius Toney to that mix along with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Mecole Hardman, and then you have the running backs. I guess they... You're liking Isaiah Pacheco a lot more these days. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is always in the mix. So it's going to be interesting to see if they make any more moves ahead of the deadline. But I like this for the Chiefs. You know, it's it's a, a low-value flyer deal. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, right. so be it. You move on. Yeah, and I, again, the, the interesting rental in this, I guess, is his health. And so, you know, like he was talking to reporters, and he said that he was fine. And the Giants, you know, kind of disagreed. Um, and he said that he tried to come back from an injury uh, that he had to his hamstring uh, too soon and that he injured his other hamstring. So it was kind of just like a flurry of things. Now, he did put out a tweet on Twitter 
which I guess is the only place you could put a tweet out, and said uh, that joke would have been funny if I was actually hurt still, LOL. Irrelevant people don't get updates. So, yeah, there's some drama there. And so, uh, again, I think Tony's going to come out with, with a vengeance here playing for the Chiefs. I think he'll fit pretty nicely into that offense. And so speaking of the Giants and wide receivers, they deal one away. Now, probably their biggest position of need, guys, is the wideout spot. Because, again, I think right now, uh, I'm pretty sure Richie James is leading them in, in receiving. Ooh, that won't um, last long. Yeah, so here, I'm, I'm going to get this uh, pulled yeah, up I, right I don't now. know any other Giants receivers. Like, David Silas, I keep seeing his name pop up. I don't <laughs> so know who David that is. David Sills. Yeah, they're yeah, best. Yeah. Like, yeah, Sills. They had a, um, I don't know, they had a very unfortunate game on Sunday. Not that it was a bad game, but... Richie James had two fumbles, and he might not even suit up again in the yeah. Giants uniform. We'll see. Yeah, so right now, let's see here. Their leading receiver would be... I'd honestly bet it was Saquon. So Barkley has what's like the most receptions on the team for 189 yards. He's got 28 catches, no touchdowns. In terms of yards, uh, it's Darius Slade right now, 16 catches for 232. Richie James has got 20 for 191. And by the way, Slade's the only guy out of those three who has caught a touchdown. Obviously, Sterling Shepard is is gone for the year at this point. Um, so the Giants wide receiver room right now is in desperate need of a guy to come in and kind of be the alpha. And a name that's come up a lot uh, is De- uh, Denver's Jerry Judy. Now, Judy, first round pick a couple of years ago out of Alabama. Obviously, we know the story with him. Great receiver there. Uh, he comes in uh, as a rookie. He has some bright spots, but, you know, the drop issue was still kind of there. Last year, he gets hurt, plays just 10 games, goes for 38 catches, 467 yards, no touchdowns. Now, this year, he's off to a pretty dang good start. Uh, He's played eight games for Denver, 30 catches for 449 yards, so he's already uh, closed back up to his total from last year in two less games. He's caught three touchdowns, and obviously, he's a big play threat with his route running ability and uh, his speed. And so... He seems like a guy, you know, again, a relatively um, young guy. Again, I think he's, what, 23, 24? Um, He's 23. So he's a young, talented wide receiver, Nick. If the Giants bring him in, I think he's got the potential, at least, to develop into a guy who could be kind of their number one, kind of the the go-to guy for Daniel Jones here as the Giants ease into the second half of the season, right? They've made it work without a number one, so you give Daniel Jones, who has looked better this year, a true guy to go out and be kind of that safety blanket, then you could really kind of do wonders for the Giants. I would agree with that, but I don't because (laughs) I think that Jerry Judy and Kadarius Toney had the similar skill set. So if you want to talk about the speed and the route running and all that, I'd say it's the same thing. They've also had the injury bug. So at the same time, it feels like they're the same receiver. It's just that now the Giants are probably going to have to give up. I mean, Jerry Judy's young. You'd have to give up probably a second for him. Yeah. You'd, you'd have to give up a fourth maybe. You'd probably have to give up, yeah. Like, I think the second and a fourth yeah. is fair. Second and a third maybe even. And why would you want to do that when you just had a guy the same skill set that you drafted in the first round? You only saw him for one year. I know, I know he was injury. I'd say injury riddled, but so is Jerry Judy. Right, yeah. And then Judy went down um, last year, only played 10 games. And so, you know, Danny, he's the type of guy where – He's young, and he's shown the ability to be a very, very good receiver. Um, I guess the question is for the Giants, is giving up that kind of value going to, you know, is it is he going to be a guy where you're so sure he's going to turn into a number one that you give up future pits, future high round pits, like the second and the third, like Nick was talking about, even an offer where you might have to give up a couple of second round pits here for the Giants. Um because, yeah, Judy is young. He's got all the room in the world to grow. But there are some, you know, kind of drawbacks there. Again, his drop issues have been there. Um, sometimes I think he just tries to do too much with the route running. Ever since his college days at Alabama, he's been heralded as kind of like, you know, this guy who's just so good at getting separation. But he's had times this year where he's been off, um, you know, not on the same page with Russell Wilson. So, you know, what do you make to this for the Giants? Um, do they go out and get a guy like Judy who could come in here and, at least for now, you know, be far and away their best receiver? 
I think they'd be much better off, and I know the Panthers came out and said they don't want to move on from DJ Moore, but I think they'd be much better off with a guy like that, a guy with a little bit more polished route running, like you mentioned, Aaron, a guy who can have a little bit more explosiveness right off the route, so, you know, and, and really could contribute with yards after the catch and yards after contact as well. I mean, Jerry Judy can do that, but as you have both talked about, it, it's kind of tough for him to do that when he's not on the field, stuff like that, so um, I don't think they should give up a second, a fourth, maybe like, you know, a late six, conditional six. I really don't think so. Oh, man. I just saw do it. We have, yeah. Do we have something? We have breaking news. Okay. The Chicago Bears. They no. trade for Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool. Oh, wow. Look at that. Third okay. Field Yates. All right. So the Bears have been very, very active this trade deadline. I they, they made another move. Though, but obviously That's what they're I, trying to get younger. Everyone on Twitter is saying why. I mean, I, I feel like if you're trying to sell, why get a guy like Chase Claypool who's going to be going into his contract year next year? I guess they liked what they saw in his film, and yeah, we get you know get yeah. Justin Fields some help over there. We were going to get to Claypool later, talking about potential spots for him, and so Chicago goes out and a team similar to the Giants, right, where it's like you're trying to figure out the quarterback situation, yet you don't really have a ton of weapons around him to kind of help him out. Now they go out and get a guy like Claypool, who again similar to Judy. He's been a number two title of his, his career, his whole career, but Claypool, much different receiver than Judy. Claypool's a big-bodied guy who could go out, win contested balls for Justin Fields, so makes his life a lot easier, Danny. And I think Justin Fields' play over the past two weeks definitely yeah. made that trade. He's looked pretty good. Urgent, right. You know what I mean? Get, you know, make it urgent getting him and I at think least a number two wide receiver. That's got to communicate to Fields, too, that it's like the Bears really believe in him, right? They go out and yeah. get him a weapon. To, to again make this life easier here today. But I think that my problem with that is he doesn't throw the ball that much. He, he doesn't, but I guess maybe now that you've Claypool, a guy, his yeah, ability maybe to rush the, the ball and extend drives. And I will say he doesn't throw the ball much. He doesn't throw it very far. Yeah. But when he does time up his yep. receivers, he looks good over the middle of the field and in the red zone. By the way, if you want to talk about him in the run game, Fields obviously is a That's runner. Emerged, Chase yeah. Claypool, great blocking wide receiver. So he's going to have a sits three, sits four die on the outside blocking for him, uh, basically deleting uh, whatever defensive matches lined up with him. So Justin Fields. Probably uh, smiling ear to ear right now. He gets a nice weapon in there. So there we go. I was hoping we would get at least some sort of big news um, during the show here. So hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get another Wow. Another we traded move. a second round pick for him. Bears move a second for that's Claypool. That's crazy. <laughs> that is, that's, that's a steep price, it I think. It better be straight up. Because yeah. Wow. So, okay, where did you guys see that? Field Yates again? I just saw Schefter put it, yeah. Yeah, I see it. Okay, yeah, Bears so traded a second-round pitch for wide receiver Chase Claypool per source. All right, well, there we go. That's pretty crazy. So, Claypool is out of Pittsburgh, and he's moving over to the NFC North, where I think, guys, another team is, is in the market for a wide receiver. I think you know who I'm talking about. It's the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Now, they lose again uh, this week. Last night or not last night, sorry, uh, Sunday night, they lose to the uh, the Bills on prime time. Aaron Rodgers and those receivers, man, although Romeo Dobbs, who we'll talk about later, had an awesome catch uh, for a touchdown, him and those receivers don't look insane. So, like, are they a team, Danny, that maybe pursues a DJ more? I know it's, like, you know, kind of, like you said, known info at this point that they are trying to hang on to him, but... Do the Packers go out and, and make a move for a wideout? Or is it kind of like at the point where, you know, Rodgers is, is almost at the point where it's like, let's just ride this out with what I have. Let's see if I can develop a connection with a young guy. But obviously they still believe that they can win. And I mean, the Packers have the talent to be able to do it, but the weapons are just not there for uh, Rodgers right now. I mean, the Vikings have definitely emerged in the NFC North as the leading uh, you know, contenders in that division. But the Packers still at three and five. They have a chance to make a wild card. And I think if they really had a second half resurgence, maybe win the division, considering you know a possible Vikings collapse. But I think that if you are the Packers, you have to at least try something. Now I'll bring up an interesting name. Um I'm gonna say, what about Elijah Moore? I wouldn't hate that either. And even like a guy we were talking about earlier, Jerry Judy, a guy who can get separation but really needs a quarterback that can allow him to thrive. Right. What better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers who can predict your every move and just throw anticipation passes yeah. all day long? Well, that's kind of where Rodgers has had some issues because we've seen him and, and receivers just not be on the same page. Like I think it was Dobbs who there was an example in in London game against the Giants where like he was running around, and, and somehow the, the defense um, 
you know, allowed uh, a hole kind of in the back half towards the sideline to open up. And I think he was running like a dig. Um, but then like, you know, he didn't improvise and take that. Now, Rodgers thought he was going to, and he threw a ball kind of behind him that he was going the other way. Didn't get picked off or anything, but like he's just had so many times this year where he's been not on the same page as his young receivers. And I think they're maybe a little bit afraid to, to go out there and improvise, but Jerry Judy, yeah, we know about his footwork and, and route running. He's a guy who has already established himself, Nick, as a receiver in this league that can contribute and be productive. So I don't think he's going to have the kind of like, you know, tight stomach that, that a rookie might have to go out there and, and make a playoff script with Aaron Rodgers there, even though that's kind of what he wants them to do. So I think Judy to be definitely an option, like Danny said, but I'll pose the question to you about Elijah Moore. Like, how much would he kind of help them out? Because we know about more young guy had a nice rookie year last year, but it's not like, you know, you just plug him in and all of a sudden all your problems are fixed. He's a nice slot guy to have. He's quick, good hands. So he could be a guy that Rodgers can trust. But, you know, is is that enough or is a DJ Moore type of move really what they need to be looking at? I think anybody would help out the Packers. DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, uh, <laughs> Elijah Moore. Although I do have a big problem with Elijah Moore. Uh, I think he is the furthest thing from a team player that you could have. It's uh, kind of true. I, he had a very good rookie season, 43 receptions, 550 yards, five touchdowns, and they weren't winning. And the moment that the Jets start winning, now he wants to trade now that he's not getting targets. I feel like as a GM, that would kind of push me away from him. But for Rodgers, they don't pass the ball all that much. I mean, we saw 20 carries for like 140 yards for Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon had a bunch too. They're not a passing team. If they get one guy, they had Devonta Adams, it opens things up. But at the same time, this offense has gone away from Aaron Rodgers controlling it, so he's become more of a game manager. Yeah, that's that's very true. Again, like... <laughs> it leads back to the young receivers. Yeah, I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but I think, I think he was on like one of the podcasts he did over the offseason. Like it was probably like the Joe Rogan podcast. He was talking about the offense that they run with the floor. And Rodgers is a guy who grew up in like that West Coast kind of system where... You know, it's just like four wide and a lot of shotgun stuff. But yeah, they've put him in an offense that where you're right, it's built around these young guys who can move who are quick with a lot of motion and stuff, and it's a lot of timing and, and all that. And so, if you're not on the same page, that offense is going to fail. And Rodgers has failed to make a connection with these guys who are coming in, and obviously have the tools to be good receivers, but they just haven't clicked yet. So we'll see about that. What. Um, Green Bay lets to do, but uh, for one final trade here, we're going to keep it in the NFC North again, um, and we're going to talk about actually an interdivision trade. Now, this is a trade that already happened. It happened probably a little under an hour ago at this point, and that is Detroit tight end TJ Hawkinson, or I guess I should say former Detroit tight end now, uh, headed to division rival, the Minnesota Vikings. Come in, sit in one, looking like second best, third best team in the NFC right now. Them, Dallas, and obviously the Eagles, uh, I think are kind of the consensus um, top dogs there. And so Hawkinson, we know that over his career, he's turned into one of the better receiving tight ends in all of football. He's a very nice weapon to add for Kirk Cousins in that offense. So, Nick, how much better does this make the Vikings now? And does this kind of maybe push them over the hump? I mean, you look at that offense, it's just weapons on weapons on weapons there for for, um, Kirk. There's, the, the offense is definitely stacked. When you think about it, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and then now you add TJ Hawkinson, who Irv Smith was fine. I, I'd say maybe average, but TJ Hawkinson, he's one of the best. I, I'd say top eight, maybe tight end in the league. Yeah. So he definitely adds a lot, and he definitely has a veteran experience. So when you're looking at probably a very good offense that can compete with a team like the Eagles or the Cowboys— it just adds another level, although they did have to give up a lot. I think it was like a second and a third and a fourth for him. But I don't see interdivision trades a lot, so I think that's what kind of shocked me with this one. Yeah, I mean, again, the Lions at this point um, with the loss, the the loss to uh, Miami on Sunday, I mean, you look at where they are right now. They were a team that was promising through the first few weeks, but they're at one and six, and I, I think they're going to move on from Jared Goff in the offseason. So, you know, you're looking for a new quarterback. Uh, it would it would have been nice to have TJ Hawkinson there for whoever the new quarterback is, but I think when you can get that type of value for a tight end, which, again, TJ Hawkinson is a guy as a tight end, you know, he's basically a big receiver because 
the way he affects the passing game is like a wide receiver. He's a guy with great hands, with his numbers. He's just he's been ultra productive. Um, two years ago with the Lions, he was a Pro Bowler, seven hundred twenty three yards, sixty seven catches, and six touchdowns. So, Danny, this is a guy that the Vikings, you know, are not just adding as kind of like a you know, a secondary piece. I mean, TJ Hawkinson to be a guy that on any given week is your leading receiver, right? I mean, from the tight end spot, that's pretty valuable. Yeah, I definitely think I like this trade for the Vikings. You know, they get two fourth-round picks in return as well from the Lions, along with a Pro Bowl tight end in TJ Hawkinson, who's going to do a lot in the blocking game for them and Dalvin Cook as well. So I like this deal a lot in the sense that they only gave up a second and a third. I know that can be considered a steep price for a lot of deals, but – it would have been something else if they didn't get any picks back in return, but they get two fourth-round picks back in return. I love that for the Vikings. And so you solidify up that tight end position, especially with Irv Smith out eight to ten weeks with a high ankle sprain, a move you probably needed to make if you wanted to stay atop of the NFC North. So uh, a lot of people are saying, why did the Vikings make this deal? I don't get it, blah, 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 because they don't view TJ Hawkinson as an impact player. But I, I think that's completely wrong. I think that he can be an impact player, like you said, and could be your leading receiver on any given game. So no, <clears throat> nice move by the Vikings to really just show they're going all in this season when they finally have a winning record and have been dominating uh, their opponents this season. Yeah, so nice move there for the Vikings. So that kind of wraps up um, uh, a crazy uh, trade deadline for the NFC North. I guess doesn't wrap it up. I mean, we've still got two-plus hours, but that for now, I guess, is, is everything uh, that could possibly go out of that division. I mean, that division has been super active, so... Obviously, the Vikings try to, I guess, leapfrog the Eagles there with them adding talent on the defensive end and Robert Quinn. They go out and get themselves a, a nice, shiny new weapon for uh, Kirk Cousins to, to play with there coming down the stretch, moving into the second half of the year. So we are going to talk about another player that could be on the move. And this guy uh, plays for Mr. Nick Carlson's favorite team, the good old Cleveland Browns. Got a nice win last night. Congratulations. Um, beating up on... Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, no Jamar Chase last night for Joe Burrow and the Dane. So uh, Jacoby Brissett and the Browns look pretty good, look pretty good. And the Wells look pretty good. Let's jump. Uh, that guy is probably right now. We'll get to it later for overreaction Tuesday coming up in, in a few minutes here. But looking like probably the best running back in football right now. And so they've got another guy there who's pretty dang good in Kareem Hunt. Um, now, could he be on the move here, Nick, because... You know, again, the Browns might look to bring another guy in with Hunt and all the stuff that he's had go on with the Browns. Um, and so, you know, is is he going to be out of here in the next couple hours, or do they hang on to him and, and still go with the tandem of um, of him and uh, Chubb? I hope that he gets traded just because he's already said in the offseason that he wants to get paid, and the Browns just don't have the salary cap, don't have the assets to kind of do that. And Dearness Johnson is a good number three running back. He'll be a very good number two running back behind Nick Chubb. So Kareem Hunt, although you'd lose him, I mean, you could get, like Danny was saying, you could get a third for him. You could get a fifth for him. I, he won't sign back, so I don't know why they're holding on to him, although they utilized him a lot last night. I don't know if you guys watched the game, but he yeah. played like 50% of the snaps along with Chubb. So especially in the passing game and especially in the running game as well, a very, very, very good asset. I hope that they get rid of him. I don't know if they will. I think yesterday was kind of like the showcase game for Hunt ahead yeah. of the deadline where it was like, okay, we're dominating the Bengals right now, so let's just run the heck out of Hunt right now, <laughs> showcase him, run him into the ground because he's probably not even going to be on our team past tomorrow. Yeah. So I think that was a smart idea by the Browns just to raise his value a little bit more. Honestly, for a team that desperately needs an RB1, I would not be surprised because now with Chase Claypool, I mean, let's let that just set in for a second. Going for a second-round pick. Amari Cooper, I believe, went for a fifth or sixth, right? Fifth-round yeah. pick yeah. for Cooper. I mean, come on. And you're, you're trying to tell me that Amari Cooper's not a better receiver than Chase Claypool. That is a potential trade right there. Like, they are going based off of all the potential for Claypool. So, based off his game last night, I would not be surprised to see a team maybe give up a second-round pick right. if they desperately need an RB1. And so, if they do move on, Nick, are the Browns in the market for another guy, or does Dearness Johnson kind of step up and become that number two? Because, again, like... There were some low-risk guys out there, um, like a Tam Akers from, from L.A. Do we see kind of a swab there or something of the sort? I, I would doubt that just because Kareem Hunt, you've already got a good you've got a good playmaker, especially in the passing game. It's just there's so many question marks with this team because the defense has been kind of lackluster, but also 
I mean, as a Browns fan, every single Sunday I wake up and I just sit around and wait for Deshaun Watson. So I, I don't really know what to expect. You don't really know what this team's going to be when Week 13 hits and then they play the Texans. You're, you're, I think what are they? They're four and five right now, or three. They're three and five right now. Mm-hmm. So you don't really know what to expect from this team, especially right. since you don't even have your starting quarterback. I have a question, by the way, as far as the Browns go: Is he fully practicing with the team, or is he just like not allowed to participate in anything with the squad? He can go to the facility, and that's about it. And he just practice in two weeks. Yeah. Okay, so he can practice in two weeks. That would be week what? That'd be week ten. So three weeks ahead of his debut, he's allowed to practice. Yeah. Okay. He can practice so, with the team. He's just going to meetings right now. Okay. So uh, that's interesting to me because like a lot of people are talking about he might be rusty by the time he comes back. And I mean, he hasn't played football in two years. So. Yeah. And he didn't look great in that preseason game. Let's be honest. I know he did. And, and but he only played really one possession, and one that was drive. it. We never saw him really. So. I don't know. There's so many question marks around yep. that team. And then, like, if he struggles, you know, do they just kind of ride with Brissett, hoping they can get into playoffs and go forward with Watson as a full-time QB next year because he has to get back into it? Who knows? It's tough because the guaranteed money is an absolute train wreck because you're paying him $230 million guaranteed. So it's like you can't really move off of him because he yeah. is the future. Yeah, so, again, Browns got some stuff to um, figure out there for sure. And so we'll see if Kareem Hunt uh, is on the move. We're going to move into, you know, for the final uh, 20 minutes or so, going to move into overreaction Tuesday, which uh, we always love. And so we'll start with, I guess <coughs> we'll keep it Browns related. Nick, right now, is Nick Chubb the best running match in football? I think I already know your answer, but. Why would you ask that? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, so he's number one, but at the same time, when you got a guy like, I'd say Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, all these other guys, Nick Chubb's been the number one and it's not even close. I think realistically, you can make an argument that he's an MVP, at least so far in this league. You got guys like Josh Allen, you got guys like Jalen Hurts, who, although they've done well, they haven't really had to play. Nick Chubb has been carrying this team so far, especially for Jacoby Brissett, who really has not proven all that much. Kareem Hunt, on the other hand, really hasn't been playing. Nick Chubb's been very good. Jonathan Taylor's been hurt, and Christian McCaffrey, I think, and I think this is a bold take, I, it's the best trade probably in the last bunch of years, Christian McCaffrey. You can see what he's done on that team. It's uh, fascinating to watch Christian McCaffrey. I know. Yeah. He was the fir- first player since 2005, I think it was, to have a passing, receiving, and rushing touchdown all in the same game. And so... Yeah, I mean, you've got guys there. I, I think Saquon has kind of entered his name back into that conversation with the year he's having. I forgot about Saquon, but yeah, he's um, right up there too. Yeah, but I, I think, yeah, right now, I mean, you just look at yards per carry. Um, and just, I mean, when Nick Chubb gets inside the, the 10, it's it's over. I mean, it's a touchdown pretty much every time. I think it's um, fascinating to watch him because he never goes down on the first tackle. Uh, it's him and Kareem Hunt both are yeah. just like the hardest players to tackle. I think probably in the lead. Yeah, and, and their offensive line is so good for the Browns that he's able to just get so far down the numbers that it's it's already tough to tackle him because it's like Derrick Henry when they get into open field, they're so fast and aggressive. It's he's, so difficult. He's already got ten touchdowns, eight hundred four. I mean, he's on pace here to. Go over 1,600 yards and have 20 touchdowns. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, blows pretty much anything he's done in the past out of the water, which is saying a lot, actually, because he's gone for over 1,000 yards the past three seasons as a rookie at 996 yards, so that's basically a 1,000-yard season. 1,400 yards in 2019 with eight touchdowns. I mean, it's just it's just crazy what he and does. What's funny is going into this year, all my friends were telling me, they're like, yo, should I draft Nick Chubb in fantasy? And I told every single person no, because I was expecting the Browns to be down in games. Jacoby Brissett, the defense was struggling, and Nick Chubb comes onto the scene and has 10 rushing touchdowns so far in the season. So Yeah, I mean, he has been absolutely fantastic. Now, look, um, Danny, like we talked about, they're still waiting for Sean Watson to get back. When he does get back... For this Browns team, at that point, like, obviously we'll have to wait and see how they handle the next few weeks here. But, you know, like, if he comes back and they end up winning nine games and they sneak into the playoffs, like, with Deshaun there, you know, like, again, he's only going to be playing four games. Are they going to be a true kind of contender, you think? 
That's what I'm worried about. I think it's going to be definitely iffy for this team because while Brissett can lead you to the playoffs, I'm confident they can be a playoff team, no problem, with the rushing attack they have, as we've been talking about. But does Watson take over full-time starting that Texans game and beyond? You know, Do they ride with him saying, all right, we've dedicated $258 million, I believe it was the exact number, to him, and so we're going to just ride him and hope that he can improve week by week and just get the rust off? I think that's what they're going to do. But at the same time, if that doesn't work out, you have to notice that and move on to Brissett. So to answer your question, I think there'll be a playoff team. I don't really think it's a matter of sneaking in because there's a lot of talent in that roster, but it's a matter of does Watson do more to the team to help them improve or do more to help them, you know, kind of – does he do more detriment to the team? Right, yeah, I I did. He'll be coming back for the first time in in two years pretty much, and so – It'll be very interesting to to see how that kind of all plays out. I'm trying to do everything in my power to get to that game in Houston. It's in Houston. You it's, were telling me, right? Yeah, the tickets are like 45 bucks. I have free credits to go uh, to Houston. I'm really trying to get there. So yeah, I mean that. I mean that's almost perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully you made it down there. Um, I mean, I wonder how much tickets are going to be for that day. I mean, Houston, Houston's a one win team. They're not going to be playing for anything, obviously, yeah. at that point. And I think that the Browns, and just to go off of what Danny said, I feel like they're a team where you have so much on the roster that you don't really know what they are. And if they're three and eight, three and nine, or whatever, you just kind of ride it off with Deshaun Watson, and you really could just kind of say goodbye to Brissett. Yeah, I mean, look, Brissett hasn't been bad last night. He looked pretty solid. And so, you know, again, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that all plays out when. Um, Watson eventually does come back. Um, now, another pretty interesting move here in the AFC. Bills, Danny, are dead set to actually activate one of their best defensive players, believe it or not, who I kind of forgot about. I don't know about you. How about a guy named Trey White? Uh, one of the best quarterbacks in all of football has missed the last 11 months. Jeez. And they're getting ready to take him off. So he was on the, the pup list uh, in the offseason, and then they just brought him onto the active roster. And so I think they have, like, until tomorrow to um, either suit him up or, or put him on IR for this week. And so uh, they're seemingly going to activate him and bring him back. Now, and then you're adding probably a top five, top seven quarter in the NFL. Um, it's like, at this point, it's just... It's it's just I don't I don't even know what the what to say like the rich get richer man it's like does this give Buffalo both the best I just saw both of you check your phones at the same exact Dude, time these vibrations you can't take them lightly okay oh my god that was so funny um does this make the Bills the best offensive and defensive team in football you think I mean that defense is fantastic and you're adding a guy like White there and then obviously we know what Josh Allen has has done he's looked like an MVP uh, with Diggs who's having another great year like. Does this just put Buffalo ahead of everybody, just head and shoulders? Yeah, you know, I definitely say as a Philadelphia Eagles fan that Buffalo would emerge as 1A if they already haven't. You know, I, th- I believe that they are talented enough that if the Eagles were to face the Bills today, the Bills would probably win just due to their offense in general and their passing game. Um, but at the same time, you know, you add a guy like Trey White who hasn't seen football for about 11 months and, you know, assuming he's fully healthy, like you said, Aaron, that's a game changer. So I think that definitely, you know, catapults them as 1A in the NFL, definitely number one in the AFC with the Eagles right behind uh, in the NFL as 1B. Do you think that in a neutral site, so in the Super Bowl, do you think that if the Eagles played the Bills, what do you think the score would be? Do you think it'd be a close game? Because I've been saying I think that the Bills would beat the Eagles, but I really have no clue what that score could be. I mean, barring moves at the deadline in the next few hours, I'd say in a neutral playing field, you know the Bills are probably going to crack 35-plus. But I don't think that, though, because I feel like Jalen Hurts, it's a very run-oriented offense, keeping Josh Allen off the field. I milk the clock. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know, with that being said, I'd probably say 30 to 24, some, somewhere around that. And you that. think Bills win? I, I'd say the Bills yeah. win just because I think something happens on the Eagles' side where, you know, Hurts isn't protecting the ball. Someone gets injured. I don't know. I'm just yeah. a superstitious Eagles. It fan. might honestly... Like Danny said, just come down to like pure QB play and just Josh Allen be, being yeah. the better court, being the smarter quarterback. Now, obviously, Jalen Hurts has the element of he's the second best rushing quarterback in football and he's dynamic. Now, Josh Allen, we know, can use his legs as well. He's a great runner, but he's not at the level that Hurts is where he can 
be the focal point of a Russian attack. Um, and so I think it would just kind of come down to that at the end of the day. See, man. then, in regards to the Bills, Danny, let's say that neutral site, same thing, Super Bowl, Eagles-Chiefs. Are the Eagles winning that game, or is it the Chiefs? Because you want to talk about smart QB play, Patrick mm. Mahomes is up there, too. Yeah, I, that all depends, obviously, on the rest of the season with them adding Kadarius Tony and how their defense has been playing so far. Oh, if it continues to play well. Yeah. I think Danny's realizing that the Eagles just playing a cupcake <laughs> NFC, unfortunately. Yeah, they can't match up with... The Chiefs or the Bills, man. What are you going to do? Listen, with our schedule, I'll be the first to say our schedule is definitely <laughs> easy, but don't discredit them. No, I'm, not, I'm, not. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, mean? I, I would like to see them play the Cowboys with Dak again. I, I think and that that will. would be interesting. That would be yeah, fun. Yeah, in AT&T. Just yeah. coming up, I believe, on Christmas Eve. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just see them play the Giants. That would be a great game. I'm definitely um, looking forward to that with how they played last week, especially. But now you bring Zeke back, who's going to be healthy, and Jerry Jones just being stubborn. I do not want to bench Zeke. Tony Pollard's going to take the back seat when Zeke comes back. And so I don't think that's the right move at all. No, me neither. Tony I think Pollard's, Pollard's a better back. running back. But right you're now. stuck with Zeke. They, they signed it like a seven year deal. And that's so. the that's why Jerry Jones is saying that because he's the yeah. one that signed that contract. That's the problem with giving running backs big money um, because, yeah, you're basically locked into them. At this point, and although Pollard has looked like more than just a change of pace back, he's become a guy who can be a feature back. Uh, they really don't have any choice but to give Zeke the majority of the touches there. I do so. want to finish my thoughts on that Chiefs-Eagles question, though. I think the Eagles can win that game. I think with how the Chiefs got rid of Tyreek Hill, and I think that you know Travis Kelsey, don't get me wrong, he's still an absolute beast, but... Eagles also have a lot of weapons on their own side. I mean, you saw what A.J. Brown did against the Steelers. They can activate him or Goddard or Devonta Smith. You saw what he did against the Commanders at any point in time. Don't discredit that. I probably would take the Eagles, but it's still a very close game. I mean, those are the three top-tier teams, I think, in the NFL. So then are the Bills the only team that you think confidently would beat the Eagles? Yeah, I would say yeah. just the Bills right now because Josh Allen is on a different level and he's throwing to like three different guys doing it. It's not just <laughs> yeah. Devon Diggs. All right, so we'll see um, how much better that made Buffalo. I mean, I, I would think that it would just take their defense to another level because now you add a lockdown quarter to that group uh, in Trey White, who, again, hasn't played in close to a year, but when he uh, when he was on the field, he was considered you know, one of the three or four best corners uh, in football. And so... We'll see. Update on that Hawkinson trade. So the conditional fourth-round pick that Detroit sent to Minnesota as part of the TJ Hawkinson trade will become a 2024 fifth-round pick if the Vikings win a playoff game. Okay. All right. And then also the Packers at 8 a.m. today emerged as the top team to get Chase Claypool and, quote-unquote, would not be outbid. Bears swoop in last minute and offer a second. I did. That division, man. I mean, the inter-division kind of rivalry going on there with the Hawkinson trade, obviously, from Detroit to Minnesota, and then that kind of wrinkle there with obviously the two bitter rivals, the Bears and the Packers, uh, betting there on Claypool. So Bears end up go out and getting him. So this has been a very interesting uh, trade deadline so far. And we'll keep it uh, here with Overreaction Tuesday. Did a move out west and uh, talked about that NFC West, which is currently led by the 5-3 and three Seattle Seahawks. Um I don't think anybody saw this coming before the season started, guys. Um, again, you look at that division, and San Francisco, who looks really good with the McCaffrey addition, uh, they'll be they'll be a team that uh, you know people are going to watch out for in the playoffs. Teams are going to watch out for. I think if you get matched up with San Francisco in the playoffs, it's you know it, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, they're four and four, but I think they're better than the record says. Now the Rams have not looked good. Neither is Matt Stafford. And then the Cardinals have had their ups and downs. They're at three and five right now with Cliff, uh, Cliff Tinsbury seemingly uh, his uh, his seat get hotter and hotter every week. And so like the Seahawks with Geno Smith at the helm, Nick, all of a sudden at five and three, they're leading the division. Uh, they look like one of the best passing offenses in, in, in the league. Um, I think, for my money, they are clearly right now the best team in this division. I think it's honestly their division to lose um, because, again, San Francisco's right there, but I think the way they've looked, uh, they've got the better quarterback right now. Um, and I, I think they've, they've just got more chemistry, man. They look like a really, really kind of well-put-together team, well-coached team with Pete Carroll, and they're just having a lot of fun out there. I think the Seahawks are good, and you saw Tyler Lockett take a shot at Russell Wilson. Did you hear what he said? He's like, eh, we're 5-3, and three and we're winning games because it doesn't matter who takes the credit. I mean, that was a clear shot at Russell Wilson. 
But I really believe that that 49ers team is dangerous. I mean, McCaffrey has turned that offense completely upside down. And the fact that how versatile it is, and Debo didn't even play, and they destroyed the Rams. The Rams have not looked good at all, and they have playmakers at literally every position. I feel like it's the Cardinals and Rams at the bottom, and it's it's a race to the end between the Niners and the Seahawks. Although the Seahawks have looked really good, I don't know if they can keep the pace, especially because they don't have as many playmakers as the other teams. Yeah, I mean, again, Seattle, you talked about um, just kind of like compared to San Francisco, it was just like off the charts, obviously, with McCaffrey, Kittle, and uh, Debo there. And obviously, LA has got the great weapons as well. Uh, but at the same time, you've got an awesome duo with Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And then Kenneth Walker, I mean, has been sensational out of the backfield for them with Rashad Penny going down. He stepped in and, and has looked fantastic. Uh, Ted Walker from Michigan State, the rookie. Seahawks took him in the second round. And so I think that the offense is as good as any really in, in this division. I know like the names are maybe not as good as what San Francisco has, but I think again, I think Gino is really, you know, in lockstep with these guys. Gino's used his ability to extend plays to get those deep throws out to Metcalf and Lockton, who obviously love to run go routes and beat defenses over the top. But he's just looked like a completely different quarterback than from obviously when we saw him back with his time with the Jets and uh, his stints elsewhere. He just looks like a much more comfortable quarterback in that, in that offense. Well, I guess this is a question for both of you, but do the so let's say that the Niners, I don't think they played yet this season, but Niners and Seahawks play right now this upcoming week who wins between the Niners and the Seahawks because Debo would come back and now you have McCaffrey in the full-blown offense. I don't see any way that, that the Seahawks could beat the Niners. It's tough because you guys make some very valid points, but at the same time, the Seahawks have just been continuing to kill the narrative all season long. Plus, now Kenneth Walker's getting into a groove and he has looked like a seasoned back in that backfield, man. I'll tell you what, his ability to stop on a dime. I saw his touchdown late in the game against the Giants. The play was blown up. I believe it was supposed to be basically a halfback draw to the right. Stopped on a dime because he literally had like five defenders coming his way. Cut left, made a few defenders miss, and just went into the end zone. Yeah, he's another guy like Kareem Hunt where it's like you, you're not bringing him down on first contact. Yeah. He's going to he's gonna bounce off you and just, I mean, you're going to need two or three guys to wrap him up there. So, yeah, I mean, Seattle again, like Danny said, has, have been killing the narrative all year. I mean, it came in uh, – whether you want to talk about actual odds or just the discussion that they were going to be competing for the number one overall pit this year, and yet they're five and three, looking like one of the best teams in the NFC, and right now are leading the NFC West. Um, so we'll see if uh, they can continue uh, this fun kind of stretch that they've had here and uh, make it into the postseason. That'd be pretty cool to, to see. Answer your question in a sense, by the way, Nick. I would honestly. Probably, if I had to bet, I would give the Seahawks a little bit of an edge offensive-wise over the 49ers, only for the reason because I trust their quarterback play more than Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's crazy to say at this point. It is crazy. <laughs> but Geno Smith has proved to be a step above Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense that he can really reach back for an explosive clutch play if he needs to. And while Garoppolo does that from time to time, you don't see it as consistently as this season, at least, from uh, Geno Smith. I think that the thing that people talk about with Garoppolo is that everything is screen-based, everything is short, and just get the weapons going yeah. and, and just kind of get them running. With the Seahawks, it feels more of everything's downfield. You yeah. use DK Metcalf, you use Tyler Lockett, and Kenneth Walker, like you guys have been saying, has just been on a different planet so far. So I like the Niners more, but I, I could totally see the Seahawks beating them. I just think it's crazy how Pete Carroll is able to do more with Geno Smith than yeah. Russell Wilson, a guy who was looked at as one of the top QBs. Yeah, you know, like people are saying, like, was it Pete Carroll the whole time with Russell Wilson? Now, I don't think that's entirely true. Clearly because not. Yeah. Russell Wilson is a fantastic... Well, no, I mean, like, was was it just Pete Carroll? You know, that's oh, why Russell Wilson oh, was so yeah. good. I, I did. I don't think that's entirely true. But you see, he can he can be a little bit of a quarterback whisperer. And Geno Smith is has a similar kind of game to Russell Wilson where he likes to get out of the pocket at stead plays and he's obviously got the, the arm to, to do that. I, I think it's questionable because you look at a guy like Russell Wilson who, I mean, when I he, when he was on the Seahawks, it was fascinating to watch him. He was just explosive. Eight weeks in, he has been one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever watched. I, it's, it's kind of terrible to watch 
he can't complete passes. He can't find guys that are open. And it's kind of questionable because you always hear Russell Wilson be compared to as a Hall of Fame quarterback. He doesn't look like that even in the slightest. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Denver, I, I, let's see. I, we got a couple things to talk about, but we don't have the time. I just, the the rental with Denver would be Bradley Chubb is on the market. Um, Panthers have already said they're not trading Brian Burns. Multiple teams have offered, like, multiple firsts for Brian Burns, and they've just said no, so they seem to be dead set on keeping him there. Um, I just Bradley Chubb, although Bradley Chubb also said that he doesn't want to be traded, so Denver's down a couple hours here as, as uh, we're past 2 o'clock here in Glassboro, but uh, Bradley Chubb, I think he's kind of like a great number two, and a very, you know, he's a good number one, not a great number one. He's a great number two. Yeah. So, I mean, I did. I would I would have looked at a team like the Eagles maybe to go and get him, but they get Robert Quinn. So, there are some spots for him to land it, but I'm not sure if he's going to get moved. Denver's confusing because I don't know if they're buying. I don't know if they're selling. I read a report that apparently Nathaniel Hackett, if he didn't beat the Jaguars, yeah, he's going to He's gone. So, <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's so many conflicting reports there, yeah. and you don't know where everyone stands. Even Russell Wilson, we don't know where he stands because yeah. he hasn't looked great, and neither has the offense. We do know that the defense has looked good, but other right. than that, there's really nothing special. Yeah, I did. just wanted to bring that up when we were uh, on the topic of Denver. All right, we have a couple minutes here. We're going to wrap up Overreaction Tuesday and wrap up our show with this. Now, this man is building a little bit of a legacy for himself here. I'm talking about Mr. Taylor Heineke. Um, he goes out this past week, now beats a Colts team that obviously uh, is is not great, but it's a good cold defense. Taylor Heineke right now for Washington uh, has stepped in and you know has taken over after Carson Wentz has gone down. Quite frankly, he's looked a lot better than Carson Wentz has. Um, and I mean... Over the course of his career, he's had those flashes, man. Again, that playoff game against Tampa Bay is what everyone's going to reference, obviously, where he was great there. But he's had some really good moments. He's 2-0 this season in his two starts, completing 67% of his passes for 480 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. So, look, he's just – I think the word that everyone uses with him is like, oh, he's just, he's just a gritty quarterback, you know, like he'll hang in there and make a play for you. He's honestly at this point with Washington kind of like in no man's land in terms of win and loss and, and draft position. I think going forward, at least for now, Nick, I don't know if you'll agree with me. I guess this is kind of the overreaction. I think he's probably their best option at quarterback right now. I think he's better than a backup quarterback. I think he could be one of the right now 20, he could be the 25th best quarterback in the league. I think you can find five or six quarterbacks on, you know, starting on teams right now that are worse. I think that. The thing with Taylor Heineke is he's exciting to watch just because he's so lucky. I, I mean, we saw in the Packers game, he <laughs> threw it to Terry McLaurin with his eyes closed and completed the pass. Yeah. I think that he's a good enough quarterback. Like you said, he'd be like a 26, 27, 25. But I mean, he's had the starting opportunity like three different times and he played great the first three games and then couldn't get it together. Right. The Tampa Bay game when he was facing one of the best defenses in the league he really showed up, and he put up, I think it was like 20 points, and that was his first start ever. I think Taylor Heineke's just a little spark that's kind of fun, but other than that, Carson Wentz is your guy, and if Carson Wentz isn't your guy, then just look to draft someone. 23 of 31, 279, 279 yards, a touchdown, and a pitch for Taylor Heineke this past week. Danny, just want to get your thoughts on this before we wrap up. Like Again, with them not really being in contention for that top overall pick. And, you know, you went to the QB class coming up. It, it is a good one for sure. Um, but they might not be in a spot to draft a quarterback if they slip down the board a little bit. Do they maybe opt to go with Heineke for another year, see what he's got, and then, look, if he breaks out, again, he's a relatively younger guy. Uh, I think he's, what, 28, 27? I'm trying to get an age here. Um, he's one of those two, I believe. And so... Like, do you go out and, and make a move for a die or draft an ace 29? So, yeah, she is up there. Uh, but would you rock with him for another season or so? He reminds me of a Ryan Fitzpatrick type in the sense that yeah, I put him out there on the field and he is going to try his best to you know, develop something for that offense. So, I think definitely keep him in the quarterback room. I think there's no harm in doing that. But actively just browse the free agent quarterback market, browse the trade market for quarterbacks. Um, and if someone, you know, obviously Russell Wilson hasn't panned out, but similar to this offseason, when he went on the market, 
someone of his caliber that we thought he was goes out into the market and emerges, right. you know, maybe you make a move for them. But he's the type of guy, you know, I'll even say Gardner Minshew. Um, he's just going to do what he can to try and do anything productive on offense. He might do a little bit more than manage the game, but uh, as Nick said, he just gets pretty lucky, and his ability to extend plays out of the pocket also allows him to do that. And to go off of what Danny said, it's exciting at some points because you get that spark, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like to be the 25th best quarterback in the league isn't really going to get you anywhere. Right, and I don't know if that's all that much better uh, than Carson, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Right? I also don't think they're in the position to compete at all right now. I mean, yeah. you have a few pieces on offense, but who knows when Antonio Gibson is this rate. He had a good game um, against the Colts team, you know, the Colts and so, do you build on Brian Robinson? Do you build on him? And then, obviously, you know, they don't have Chase Young right now. So, um, Terry McLaurin is obviously their number one option. Curtis Samuel has looked okay this year. But other than that, I mean, I don't think it's there's much to write home about. And they're in such a good division, too. I mean, yeah. what are the Cowboys 5-2 and two when they're in third? So Yeah. So, yeah. What was the yeah. NFC least is now the NFC beast. Yeah, it's clearly they're the worst team in that division right now. Um least record wise and so we'll see we'll see what uh how to do uh coming down the stretch here and if they'll go with him moving forward all right that is just going to uh about do it here for the third and long football podcast another great week another great episode uh was joined as always by my co-host in nick carlson um danny ryan thank you for coming on and joining us uh our sports director here at wgls so make it an appearance uh you should catch third and long every tuesday Again, we started a little bit early today because uh, we've got a men's soccer game coming up soon, Rowan men's soccer, but usually it's 2 to 3 o'clock and the episodes are posted the same day, so uh, be sure to be tuned in to Twitter um, and all our socials to uh, to make sure you catch new episodes. All right, everyone, have a great rest of your day. This has been the 3rd and Long Football Podcast. You have been listening to 3rd and Long with your hosts Aaron Hook and Nick Carlson. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find Third and Long in every Rowan Radio Sports podcast by searching Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcasts.